Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. This episode is part of a special series about the Bakalu Trail region of Newfoundland and Labrador. Join us as we explore the hidden gems of the Bakalu Trail, from stories of phantom ship sightings to local art and history. I'm your host, Natalie Dignam. Today I'm talking with Libby Carew about her work with the Newfoundland Pony Society. Libby first encountered Newfoundland ponies as a child while visiting her grandmother on the southern shore. In this episode, we talk about the history of the Newfoundland pony, why they are an important part of the province's heritage, and the Newfoundland Pony Society hope to build a pasture where residents and tourists can visit these beautiful animals. My first question for you is uh, to just tell me a little bit about yourself and your like connection to Newfoundland ponies. Okay. So um, I serve as um, I serve on the board of the Newfoundland Pony Society. So I'm a counselor at large, and I guess my links to the Newfoundland Pony, aside from being a passionate Newfoundlander, and I think it was a big awakening for me when I understood um, just the role that the Newfoundland Pony played in the history of building the province and how culturally significant it is. Um, I I don't have a Newfoundland Pony, not yet, <laughs> but uh, when I was young, my um, grandmother is from Renews on the southern shore. So I remember uh, the time, you know, the late 70s, 80s, I remember seeing the Newfoundland ponies that were herds down on the that part of the province or around Renews, Capahade and Southern Shore. So I actually remember seeing them at a time when they were still, you know, turned out in the summertime and they would graze. I mean, we would say now that they were roaming, but they were turned out in the summer and um, their owners just let them graze on common grounds. Um, and then they'd go round them up again in the fall and then put them back to work on the farm. So I do remember um, seeing the ponies, uh, you know, at that time. Yeah. That must have been beautiful because just when we went out for the volunteer day, like this September to the uh, Newfoundland Pony Heritage Pasture and Cupid's just like coming up over the hill and the ponies just like out in the pasture. It was just, I don't know, like I was really like moved by it because it was really beautiful. Like to see them up there and you kind of have to like hike through this trail in Cupid's before you get there and then it opens up and it, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. And I think that's how they would have been in the past. I mean, I think that's what's so special about these pastures that you can see the ponies as they lived, you know, not going back that far really like into the seventies. So to see them and then, you know, you walk in and then you, you sort of see one coming through uh, behind a tree. And I mean, they're so friendly and they'll, they'll come to us, but um yeah, I think it's that's what's special that you see them and you can imagine that this is how these herds were, uh, you know, years ago. And I think you still see that. I don't know if you've been over to Ireland, but it's not unusual to be driving on the, the roads and you'll see, you know, a group of sheep that are um, that are crossing. And my understanding, I mean, I used to see that my grandmother would be upset if somehow they got in past the gate uh, and got into the vegetable garden and renews. You know, as children, we love to see the ponies. It was so exciting. Um, but you know, they were, you would see them crossing and going across the road. And that was just the way it was. They were turned out in the summer. It meant that their owners, you know, didn't have to pay for, um, you know, to board them in the barn and pay for hay and all of that. So it was just a really easy way. The ponies were happy. They bred in the summertime. And um, then in the fall, the owners would go round them up. And most people, they all knew which pony was theirs. And then they'd take them back to their property for the winter. So we should probably talk about um, the history of the Newfoundland pony and why they are critically endangered here mm-hmm. in Newfoundland. Um, so I'm hoping you could you could dive into a little bit of that history. Right. So we um, yeah we know that like the earliest in terms of where did the Newfoundland pony how did it be become established as its own breed. 
So if you go back um, uh, to when um, John Guy established the first community at Cupid's and Lord Falkland, we know that there was actually, um, the numbers are there in terms of when John Guy came over to Cupid's, where we were just the other day doing the fencing. Uh, by that pasture, he brought over with him um, Dartmoor and Exmoor ponies. So when the settlers came over, um, they brought with them the strongest of the ponies that they had um, in, in their own country. So he brought over Dartmoor and Exmoor ponies. Um, that Those two are one of the foundation breeds of the Newfoundland pony. Um, when other settlers came from England, they brought over the New Forest pony. So that's an ancestor of the Newfoundland pony. And then from Ireland, the Connemara pony was brought over. So all of these people going back, I mean, into the 1700s bought these animals. Um, because we were an island, no other horses or equines were introduced here. So those foundation breeds, um, they all bred and that's what created over oh, 300 years or more, the unique Newfoundland pony. We know that the numbers um, back in, um, the numbers were, I think in 1935, there was a census and there was somewhere between 9,000 and 10,000 Newfoundland ponies. Um, from 19, uh, 1978, the numbers had gone down. There were somewhere between um, 3,000 and 4,000 ponies. Um, so you got to think about, there's a lot, a lot of interesting things that happened in the 70s that I'll come back to. And then by 1993, there were only 125 Newfoundland ponies left in the world. So you have to think that's something, what happened then to go from 1978 with three to 4,000 and then um, down to 125. So what happened was um, a number of things. So all of the rural communities, you know, mechanized farm equipment. So previously the ponies were used to plow the fields, to, you know, haul uh, lumber out of the woods, to build houses. So you know, at that time, um, a lot more cars, Newfoundlanders had cars, um, a lot of the farms were using new modern farm equipment, and then the ATVs came in. Uh, and that was just, you know, modernity came to the province and Newfoundlanders really embraced it. But what happened, I think, was that the ponies really lost their way. I mean, it's a workhorse. A Newfoundland pony can pull twice its weight, so it's very adapted for us to be working hard. It wants to work. Um, so all of the new modern equipment came in. And the other thing that happened was that the provincial government introduced new bylaws in all of the communities. And under the bylaws, um, there was an anti-roaming um, legislation was introduced, whereby the ponies could not um, graze in the summer on, on the common ground. So either they had to go into um, a pasture, a community pasture, or people had to build fences find a place to put their ponies. So when you look at the expense, um, and I guess the, the trouble of having to um, create defense in your land, and then the fact that, well, an ATV, you know, it doesn't need to be fed, you don't need any farrier bills. So I think that both of those factors really um, spelled the demise of the pony. And then there were always, um, you know, meat traders, horse traders started coming into the province. And, you know, they were actually bringing in, in in some cases, cattle or other animals, but on their way out, um, the price of, of uh, horse meat was uh, very high. So they bought these animals, they bought the ponies and they shipped them out. So, and it's interesting, I only learned the other day, um, normally the, you know, the Newfoundland pony can be anywhere between 11 and 14 hands high. And some of the ponies that are now left are um, smaller. And it's because the bigger ones were shipped out first for meat. And that is just a sad fact. And I always wondered, what happened to some of the bigger ponies, but that's, they were just the most valuable and they were shipped out first. 
So when this was happening, so this was happening in the 70s, the 80s, and 90s, um, the provincial government then, um, they knew what was happening and uh, what they did was they made it uh, mandatory for the horse traders to have to have a permit. So you could not take a Newfoundland pony off the island without having a permit. And that, uh, my understanding was it did slow things down a bit. And then around that time, the Newfoundland Pony Society was established with the mandate to protect and promote and to really do something about the, the number of horses or sorry, the number of ponies that were being shipped out to the, um, to the, uh, for, the, for the meat market. And now, I mean, we often get asked, okay, well, how many are, we know the numbers went down to, you know, one, only 125 in uh, 1993. So like, what does the population look like now? And we think there are somewhere between about um, 300, about between 400 and 500 Newfoundland ponies now in Canada, um, in, in the US. And, but you've got to think that the actual number of breedable ponies is a lot lower. So that number, that's great. And that's certainly been a lot of progress from where we were. But the um, number of stallions, for example, or a number of mares that would be of a breeding age is a lot lower. So there is, um, you'll, you'll often find with Newfoundland pony owners, they're very uh, impassioned about making sure that they breed these ponies to keep these bloodlines going. Because at the time that the uh, a lot of the ponies were being shipped out of the province in the 70s and 80s, there are, uh, and again, this is something that I'm more of an education point for me that I need to learn more about, but my understanding is that there are these valuable bloodlines that were um, were lost. They were just, these were the big ponies that were shipped out and that any of their ancestors or offspring now were trying to really uh, make an effort to breed them, identify them, and to try to keep those bloodlines going. Yeah, and the, the really interesting thing that I find about Newfoundland ponies um, and that you have, you mentioned before we dove into the history is kind of, you know, like people who are really passionate about horses or animal lovers will definitely find this interesting, but I also find it interesting as, you know, they are part of like the living heritage of Newfoundland and you said how important they were to communities. So can you talk a bit about like what they did in communities and why they were so important? Yeah, like I think um, if people, I think if, if Newfoundlanders understood more about uh, what these animals did for us, and I think, you know, we, they helped us survive. So now I think, well, we, I feel we owe them to help them survive, you know, and if they're not going to be able to do this on their own. So if you look back in terms of the history of the Newfoundland pony, so I mentioned that they're real workhorses, right? So they pull twice their weight. So they would have been um, in rural communities, uh, which they helped build. So hauling wood out of the, hauling lumber out of the forest or building wharves and houses. Um, they plowed um, gardens, you know, in the summertime. But the ponies were the main uh, means of transportation. So going between communities, you could either, I guess, um, you know, go by boat or in often cases, the, the pony was used. So, you know, the ponies were used to transport doctors between and getting medical help to, to families that needed it. Um, most often on a wedding day, a bride was transported to the church. It was a Newfoundland pony that was, was pulling the carriage with her in it. So they were really um, a way, they were the most dependable means of transportation for us. And um, I think keeping us, um, keeping us connected from one community to the other. Uh, and again, the reason they're so, um, 
they were well adapted. So going back to the ponies that they're, you know, their hooves, they're the fact that um, Newfoundland ponies like to be turned out. They have woolly thick coats um, that, you know, when the snow comes down, Newfoundland ponies want to be outside. I mean, we want, you know, we often say, well, they, they need a lean to to get inside, but many owners will say that even if there is a bar and the door is open, the Newfoundland pony doesn't want to go in there. Um, it's because they have these very thick woolly coats and that um, when the snow comes down, they will naturally stay dry. So their fur will actually part and little pools of water can actually run off them. So they were really physically adapted to our rocky, rough, harsh environment. And again, that's what makes them uniquely ours. It's, it's funny because I have heard the comparison of like, uh, you know, Newfoundlanders uh, like adapting to kind of this harsh environment of like the rock and kind of the the ponies doing that alongside with them so it's very interesting that now they are their unique breed they're considered um a heritage animal uh, yeah. do you have any memories or stories about ponies like from the past mm, i'm trying to think and i should mention they are critically endangered so rare breeds canada um, they're still listed as a critically endangered um species I'm trying to think of any stories. Um, I mean, the Newfoundland ponies are known as well. You're right, you think about Newfoundlanders. Okay, this sounds familiar. You know, they're hardworking, um, resilient, tough, and that really describes our pony. It's not, um, that's not some coincidence that they have evolved to be like that. I mean, they're, they're well matched for the people. I'm trying to think of any stories um, offhand, gosh. I mean, you talked, Cliff George has some incredible stories. So the uh, well-known Newfoundland artist, and he, I mean, Cliff, at one point, I think just during the years when the ponies were being shipped out, so he lives in Whiteway. If you go into his barn there, you'll see there are hoof prints in the floor of his barn. And at one point, he said um, there were 18 of them that he managed to get off the meat truck and he had to put them somewhere. So, you know, they were in his barn. But he tells the story that um, they were so smart that years ago when they were, he was hauling wood with his father, um, the Newfoundland pony, they could go into the woods They'd have, um, they would bring the pony in, his father would go in, bring the pony in, he'd load up the wood on the um, back of the sleigh and he'd tap the pony, the pony on the bum, pony would go back and he actually knew his way back out to the road to unload. I mean, just, just how smart they are. And again, the fact that they were so adapted to, to our harsh environment. But, um, you know, I don't know if that would really work out so well with any other, like a horse, you know, they're, they can be a bit, uh, they can spook easily, and but the ponies are very sturdy and steady. But I think they're mostly known for their intelligence. The fact that he could send the pony back out on his own, out to the road, unload, and then send them back in again. It's yeah. But I'm sure there are lots more stories. I just can't think of any offhand. Well, you had mentioned uh, like earlier when we were talking about um, like how people would set them out to graze in the summer like that the ponies knew when to come back or like there was someone was telling me a story of uh, someone would like me I think maybe he was like out fishing maybe going to Labrador or something and then when he came back to his house the his pony would come back yeah yeah they knew yeah and it's interesting you say now that you go so there's two two of the pastures that I've been visiting this summer you know with COVID um and it's been the year to stay home it's actually been wonderful because I've been able to visit so the um the pasture at Swansea uh Swansea Road in Victoria and also the one that we were at in um, South River Cupids um you talk to the owners so uh the one in Swansea there are 35 
equine. So there's horses there, but I think there's a herd of about 12 Newfoundland ponies. And he talked to the owners. Um, I met a few of them there one day and I was just at the fence chatting with them. And they said, it's, they know when they go to round them up at the end of October, which I want to go see, by the way, they're there, like their ponies, especially. Now the horses, I think it'd be more challenging to round up, but um, the ponies, they know it's like, okay, we've had a good summer. This has been excellent, but now, you know, we got to go. So their owners will come and, and round them up. The interesting though about a thing, you know, for the Newfoundland pony line that are, we talked about their radical changers so that they will completely change color. Um, I don't know if one of the women that we met last weekend, um, her pony saw her on the pasture is a radical changer. So she'll change color. I noticed that one. Yeah. She yeah. was really cool. Cause you could tell that her coat was chained. Like I couldn't tell which way it was going, but from like a Brown to a white, it was very interesting. Yeah, so they'll go, it's interesting, they will go from brown to white. Um, so they were saying years ago, again, when uh, owners would go in the rural communities to round up their ponies, some of them, they would have changed so much that, and they were in their herd that they wouldn't have known necessarily which one was theirs. So, uh, but again, I think the ponies would know and, and they'd sort it out. But it just sounds like such a lovely... Um, you know, just a lovely glimpse back in the past of what it must have been like to see these herd animals in the communities um, and how beautiful that must have been. So I think that's what's so magical about, about these pastures now. You can actually see them in their natural habitat. You know, they're friendly and uh, very curious. And I think that's also linked to their intelligence. I mean, they know who their owners are. And, um, but yeah, it was just lovely. They'll, you know, it's, I don't know if I'd be comfortable in a pasture with, with uh, horses, but the ponies uh, are very, um, they're friendly, they're curious and it's, yeah, it's just a lovely thing. And I think it's very calming, you know, at a time when the world is very, there's a lot of uncertainties. Everyone says things are up in the air, COVID. Um, it's just nice to go somewhere. And I think it's just something like being around the ponies that just, it's, it's good for your soul. that just settles you down. So I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about kind of like what is going on with the Newfoundland Pony today and like the Newfoundland Pony Society, uh, right. what, the work that you guys are doing. Yes, our mandate is to protect, promote and preserve the Newfoundland Pony. Um, we are the official uh, charity that's mandated. So we're actually, we were established under provincial legislation um, to protect the pony and to promote it. And I mean, the main thing is to make sure that this animal survives into the future and that future generations can do what we did, go onto the pasture and see them. So I think one of the biggest initiatives that we will be launching soon, we had planned to go out with this in the spring, uh, but then of course with the pandemic, everything went on shutdown. Um, so what we want to do is to create a permanent home, so a permanent pasture in Newfoundland, so in the place where the pony the breed was born and evolved. So what we want to do is create um, a Newfoundland Pony Heritage Park. And we have actually from the, um, it's on a long-term lease that we have from the provincial government, we have 50 hectares of, no, how much, I forget exactly how much we have, but there's a fair bit of land we have um, on a lease from the provincial government, and it's out in, in Popol. Um, which is very close to the, you know, the Dildo Brewery and that entire area. So what we want to do there, um, and it was formerly, um, it had been operated before by another group as a, a horse um, sanctuary, so it was a rescue. But anyway, all that being said is that um, the land is there, there's good hay. So what we want to do is um, rehabilitate the pasture, so get it into um, suitable 
a grazing pasture for the ponies. And not, on, not unlike what we did last um, weekend. So we'd have to stake it off and make sure that um, there's actually a permanent place for pony to go. So this would be for people in the area who have the ponies, they could be turned out there um, and be on this pasture. It's a great location as well because it's very close to the Argentia um, Ferry. So for tourists who are coming and want to see Newfoundland ponies. And by the way, the Newfoundland Pony Society, we get a lot of requests um, from tourists who are coming here saying, you know, I heard about the Newfoundland Pony, you know, where can I go to see them? Where can I go to interact with them? Can I ride them? So we think there's uh, really great tourism potential to promote the Newfoundland Pony, but we need a permanent place where, um, you know, they can be seen all the time. So this would be uh, what we're calling it is the Newfoundland Pony Heritage Park. Um, it would also be a place where um, students, so school groups, back to our role of promoting the Newfoundland Pony, making sure that children can come and, and see them. I mean, I was lucky I got to see the ponies when I was in Renews as a child years ago. But, um, you know, right now, unless you know someone who has a Newfoundland Pony or you go to one of these other pastures, they're, they're not that easy to see. And I think that's a problem because how can you care about something if you don't, if you can't see it and you don't really know what it is and the role it played in helping us survive? So our big initiative will be uh, launching the fundraising for this permanent park for the ponies. Um, and phase two would be actually getting, um, I think, like a small visitor center there where we could have some information, uh, you know, I think still keeping it, you know, fairly uh, rustic, but actual panels and information boards about the ponies. And ideally in that area with um, a lot of those towns and, you know, um, school groups, we'd like to have it set up so that it would be open with perhaps staffed by someone to actually be on site to, you know, do a little talk about the pony and talk about the characteristics and then people could actually see them in, in the pasture and interact with them. So that's our big um, initiative. And, but I think we really have our work cut out for us trying to um, really educate people about why you know, I think we need to get Newfoundlanders to care about this breed again um, and to understand why it's worth preserving. You know, and if you look outside the province into Ontario and, and down into the um, United States, it's a very desirable breed. So a lot of, uh, there's a lot of interest in the Newfoundland pony outside the province. I can't explain why. It's like they figured this out and they've jumped on board with it. But the ponies are um, really valuable outside the province. They're used in therapy and riding programs. They're, they've done well in uh, like uh, horse competitions, that kind of thing, like agricultural fairs. So I think it's sort of putting the lens back on us as a people and saying, you know, do we want to get behind our own animal again and, and help it survive? So that's really what we've been um, we've been doing with you know, lately at the Pony Society. How can people uh, who want to be involved or interesting in, in helping, how can they uh, like support the Newfoundland Pony Society? Yeah, that's a good question. So, you know, we, in the past, we've done um, events where, for example, the Down Home and Down Home Magazine also has been a fantastic supporter. They give us a page every month in their, their, um, their magazine where we get to write a story or we can promote the pony and there's been um, great uptake there, but normally we would be out at the uh, like different expositions. We'd go to the Down Home Expo. Um, if we're out at events or doing fundraising, uh, again, it's trying to get these animals out in the public, you know, in the forefront so people can actually see them. They're not, it's not the easiest thing to do. You know, we had last year, 
um, at the rooms, on the grounds of the rooms, actually, we had uh, Kelly Power Kane, who's, uh, she's also on the board of NPS, and she's actually the volunteer registrar. She had her pony, we brought Belle and Belle's foal, um, Salty, we actually brought them on the grounds of the rooms because the provincial government at the time was hosting um, a tourism conference. So they gave us, they asked us if we wanted to uh, showcase the pony to some of the tourism operators outside the province, and we did. So I think the main thing is, you know, to get in touch. Um, you know, there's, I think there's going to be a lot of um, work around this Pony Heritage Park for stake, you know, helping us like we did a few weeks ago, driving stakes, um, coming out, you know, meeting the ponies. You know, people, families, so parents who have children, um, we were really thrilled this summer that a lot of people got out to the pasture. By the way, it's still open out in, um, in Victoria and in South River. So people, families got out and brought their kids out there. So I think it's, it's showing that you care and that they're interested and obviously they can get in touch with us on our website. There's lots of ways to get involved and we'd love to have some help. Yeah. Uh, can people donate through your website? Yeah, they can, absolutely. So um, there's a, uh, we're linked up with CanadaHelps.org, so you can donate um, directly through there. There's a Newfoundland Pony page and also on our website. The other thing that's great is that you can actually become um, a member. So a single membership in the Newfoundland Pony Society, it's, I think it's $20 for a family membership, it's 30. Um, those fees, so the money that we collect there um, goes right back into our programs to, to help the ponies. Um, we do, um, we didn't talk about this, but uh, there are D DNA tests that we can run um, when we actually are, because one of the things we're trying to do as well is track down where are these ponies. We can only help them if we know about them. So um, because ponies can live a long time, we know that some of them are still out there. Um, they've probably been bred. So we're trying to, part of our work as well, um, I call Kelly Power Kane. She's almost like a detective trying to track down where these ponies are. Um, when we pull hair samples on them, uh, we run um, DNA tests just to check the lineage and to confirm, um, I guess we can confirm the sire and the dam of the ponies. Um, but with the funds that we uh, raise through memberships, that goes right back into uh, perhaps there's a pony, out, pony owner out there who cannot afford to register it or we'll use those funds to pay for the DNA testing and, and to help them. So yeah, becoming a member is another great way to, to help. Yeah, and I just want to mention too for people who are interested or uh, that this um, interview has piqued your interest in the pony, like the way I got involved was that I was at the Heritage Foundation and um, listened to Clifford George's interview and his stories about the ponies and the communities and I just was really interested and I was like, I want to see the ponies, like I want to meet them. So that was like, a, you know, four months ago and and then I was, as someone who's also not from Newfoundland, I was like, man, I don't know, like, where are they? How can I see them? And I sort of was like asking around, like, where can I go? So I was so excited when you guys had a volunteer day in, in Cupid's and we were doing the fences for the pasture. And like, I think I had like a lot of built up excitement from like hearing the stories about the ponies and people describing them and everything. So when we went, I was like super psyched to like actually see them. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a really cool experience for me. And I, I hope other people, you know, just from listening to this podcast, kind of get a sense of like, that kind of excitement and how important they are. And also that they're still here and you can go see them. So 
Yeah. And I think the other thing, pony owners do, they love to show off their ponies, as you know, from last weekend. Um, and ponies love the attention. You know, they're very, um, they're also really good with kids. So um, with little kids, you, you can actually bring them around the ponies, you know, in most cases, and you don't have to be, you know, you always have to be careful and mindful, but um, the ponies are, are, they're pretty gentle. So, but yeah, I think there are, um, there are also pony owners uh, around the city and, you know, they have them privately on their farms. And uh, so I think there's also, sometimes people have gotten in touch and said, you know, I live in such and such a place. I'd like to go, you know, who is an owner nearby? Um, and the other thing we can do, we do that all the time is, is hook people up um, with different pony owners privately to go visit them. Um, the main thing though, but again, back to these pastures, that's why, we think it'd be fantastic to have this heritage park, a permanent home where the pony evolved um, so that, uh, you know, we could run a breeding program out of there. Um, we can actually have ponies permanently there for people to come and see. And not just for tourists, I think for, for people who live here to really just experience why these animals are so special, you know, and why they're worth saving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with me about this. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed learning more about the ponies, and I hope that we get out again soon um, to see them. Terrific. Thanks, Natalie. So, again, anyone interested, you can just visit our website. My contact information is there. Um, love to hear from people who want to get involved. Thank you for joining us on Hidden Gems of the Backloo Trail, a special series on the Living Heritage Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Dignam. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening.